Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast hoping that the New Zealand Warriors go ahead with the player loan system and they manage to snaffle the signature of reality TV star Sophie Monk in the front row. I'm your host Eamon Brown. Today on the show we'll be discussing which teams are in the box seat to win the 2020 Premiership, how we feel about Peter Volandis taking the game back to 1993 and we'll also talk to former player turned referee Luke Phillips about the recent referee saga. But first, I'm joined by the only man taking the NRL to court over the NRL draw, arguing that the Roosters should have been allowed to play the Ronald McDonald House with No Steps rep side five times during the year. It's, of course, Xander Risotto. Welcome to the show, mate. I stand by that. It's a class action lawsuit as well. I'm not sure who's going to join me in on it yet, but... um you know, wait and see. Seems a bit unfair, though, to play a team of disabled people. Uh, we tried that with the Titans last year, and the results are obvious. <laughs> it wasn't a good idea. Made for a great highlights reel. I mean, there were some incredible tries. I mean, they were a little bit turnstile but... They notched up some cricket scores. <laughs> and tell it's me fantastic. this, um, playing a team with people who have wheelchairs, obviously there's a higher propensity for head highs, surely. Well, it depends, right? I mean, you know, maybe I think to even it out, we could we could all play in wheelchairs. I think the Roosters are still do all right. I think you know. so. I mean, at the moment, then Flanagan... it becomes murder ball, right? Instead of rugby, exactly, league. which is a yeah. great sport. And Flanagan at the moment does have the same speed as a person in a wheelchair. I hope he manages to sort of pet that up a little bit in the off season. He's quite slow. You have to admit that. Yeah, the off-season and fitness across the board worries me, but we'll get into that. But look, how have you been, mate? It's been about eight years since you've been in the Voluntary Tackle studio. It's great to see you. I notice you've grown a long, wispy, grey beard in that time. You look a little bit like an ochre version of Gandalf. I like to think it's a fairly masculine, thick-set lumberjack beard, but okay. You can think whatever you like, mate. It doesn't change the perception, but that's okay. No, but it is great to see you, mate. It's been a little while. It's not quite the same on Zoom. No, it's not. No, like like most things, um, you know, uh, being in the flesh, it's it's much better than doing it uh, online, you know, and that includes all all kinds of um, body-to-body activities. (laughs) It's really difficult to fuck a webcam, is what you're you're basically saying. It is, it is. And painful, especially if you get it sort of jammed in the USB port by mistake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know... I mean, we've all done it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be honest. Um, But, mate, look, we're going to try very slowly to navigate our way through this show. We might be a little bit rusty, so listeners, we do apologise... Uh, if we stumble around no, a little bit. No, they should apologise to us. Yeah, I think you know you're right what? the first time. Get on the fucking phone and apologise to us for being shit. That's the way it should or, work. Or, or tweet at us. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. probably the way to go these days. I don't want to give up my number. I mean, I don't have a landline. But no, look, we're very interesting, very exciting, mate, for the show. We're uh, talking to Luke Phillips a little bit later in the show. Uh, what were your memories of Diamond when he played? Mm. Obviously, uh, you know, a few golden years for the Roosters. He was in a yeah, couple two of grand, grand finals. finals. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, um, you know, you'd reminded me of it earlier, but um, him actually being the starting fullback in that 2002 
um, grand final. Um, mm, yeah. Ahead of Minners. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'd forgotten. What would about Minners that. know about playing fullback I anyway? I remember back back in the in the sort of early two thousands, they talked about him as being the best fullback in the last twenty years, Minicello. Like I still remember that being the kind of rap on him. It's just it, so much has happened since. Then. I know it's <laughs> not know? his fault. I yeah. think it was like at the time you're like, oh yeah, that's yeah. not a bad call, and now it's like I think you're ninth. Yeah, I know. It's just the the fullback. Uh, I guess the role has just become so much more influential and there's mm. been so many genuine stars. Like, yeah, almost a yeah. prerequisite is to be an immortal. Yeah. It's a bit yeah, unfair, isn't it? I mean, I feel for poor yeah. old little Corey Thompson yeah. over at the Tigers because obviously he's never going to be an immortal. Um, he might make the Peter Dinklage version of being an immortal. He'll be an immort. It'll be a contraction of immortals. And, of course, they will have um, someone to give him a boost onto the stage when he receives that award down the track. And, of course, he will. He'll duck under a lot of tackles in that time. He manages to. And the only problem with Corey Thompson is is he ducks under the tackle nine times out of ten. And on the tenth one, he gets absolutely (laughs) fucking hammered until he's out cold. Anyway, on that very very unsavoury note, we're going to uh, start the show today by doing a bit of a wrap, Xander, on how we feel... Peter Volandis has handled this whole COVID-19 chapter of the game over the last couple of months. Uh, He has been lauded by many for his pugnacious ability to bulldoze his way through the barriers, his acumen for dealing succinctly with complicated health policy, his use of steel-capped boots to kick the heads of referee unions, or his ability to cough up phlegm on the bureaucratic red tape of the Australian biosecurity laws. It doesn't really matter. Whatever he's doing, it seems to be aggressive. But that's enough from me. I want to know how you've scored Peter Volandis over the last couple of months because, and it should be noted for the record, when we last spoke and you're in the studio, you weren't a big fan of PVL. Has your opinion changed? Yeah, I think um, I think uh, to to quote um, the the Obama euphemism, I've evolved on the issue. Um, <laughs> I love it. You know, I, I actually at first I was I was a bit skeptical. I thought, oh, he's you know he's going to be a part timer. He's he's handling racing New South Wales and all the rest of it. But what, what I kind of like about him, um, and you know, he, he's proven himself effective uh, through this through this period in particular. My my final judgment will be reserved until we kind of see the deal he's been able to strike over over TV and and the long term strategy implements for the game. Mm. But. There's no doubting that he's been extremely effective in this period, and he's, I think he's he's caught other sports on the hop in terms of the way he's pushed this through. He's, uh, you know, Andrew Webster had an article yesterday that basically said that every everything he announced as uh, going to happen uh, was denied by government, and then they followed suit. So that that you have to give credit. That, to that's that. quite that's quite the feat, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, no. because the last time I asked Scott Morrison yeah. uh, for seven or eight acres <clears throat> in the CBD of Sydney. He told me to go fuck myself. Yeah, he's it's it's in a way it's, he's almost like the the anti-Trump, like because Trump makes a lot of big statements that just you know then are, are, are all you know like turned to shit, and he has to kind of backtrack. Mm. Like it's like PBL knows he's going like he, he's done the groundwork first, makes the big statement when they've when, when there's been some pushback, and then forces it through. And it, like his strike rate's incredibly good. I know it's you know, as almost like, as there though... is substance there instead of a, being a bloviating ass. Yeah, like the, the other category one hundred percent. Because by strike rate, this mm. can't be an accident. No. I think he, unless he has a lever directly into Canberra, where he says, "I want this," and he pulls the lever. Maybe he's got 
risque photos of uh, Scott Morrison, you know, fucking a dog. It's a really disturbing book. <laughs> in in 12, negative, 12 in weeks for that, mate. <laughs> According to the NRL. <laughs> that's right. I At mean, least another four than, uh, than Piercy copped. That's right. If he'd ripped the dog's head off, he'd only get two weeks. That's because right, obviously yeah. the NRL uh, matrix for sanctioning players is kind of hard to understand. It's a bit like the real Matrix movie. Um, it's a bit sort of existential and weird. And overrated. And Sorry, overrated. Yeah. Actually, the first one was first one's great. Yeah. Second and thirds were pieces. There's of a fourth shit. on the way now, apparently. Oh well, anyway. I'll never watch that. <laughs> Peter Valandis, he has pushed the game forward in a sense, hmm. but in another sense, he's also pushed the game backwards because he's sort of taking us back to 1993. And we've discussed this before. If you go through some of the changes now, only in the last couple of weeks, he's he's moved us from two refs to one. Um, he's declared war on the wrestle. He wants to see a faster game, and he's also flagged. Uh, reducing the interchange. And all of these things were in existence in the early 90s. And I propose to you, sir, that you Peter Valandis sort of... is trying to take us back to the future. Marty! You've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. Is Peter Valandis the Doc Brown of the NRL? <laughs> he even looks... I mean, well, no. Well, no, he doesn't really. He doesn't, he doesn't really look like Christopher Lloyd. But I, I do... was going to say he even looks like he's from 93. <laughs> <laughs> he has a 93 look about him. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, he, he has a better call Saul look to him. <laughs> like, do you reckon? He really does. He, yeah. he, he, like, he looks, he looks like a dodgy lawyer out of Albuquerque. <laughs> But effective yeah, but and intelligent. An effective, enthusiastic, and incredibly... And uh, and creative, we'll put it that way. I think that's a good way to describe um, <laughs> a Better Call Saul. Well, this is where we wanted the podcast to go, because obviously uh, we tackle the hard issues here, Xander, that we don't leave any stone unturned. And we were wondering, uh, I guess in line with Peter Volandi's essentially making the game go backwards 25 years... If that we should, because and he's also been very successful. We're playing on May 28. We've got a jump on the AFL, which you've mentioned. Maybe we should do something in homage to the great man. And I was wondering if there are other things from the year of 1993 that we should have integrated into the game of rugby league to say, well done, PVL. Thank you very much for letting the game continue to exist. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, there there are a lot of. I mean, there, there's a ta- there's a touch of the old rose tinted glasses. I don't want us to go too far. I mean, you know. Remember, they wouldn't be rose tinted in 1993. They'd be those multicolored Oakley sunglasses. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and and um, hypercolored t-shirts. Yeah, I think I'd actually yeah. love to see PBL wearing one of those <laughs> hypercolored t-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't. He, he's not. He's not a man that has a flamboyant, colourful streak. <laughs> he really, really doesn't. He's, he's half businessman, half undertaker. <laughs> he's <laughs> almost. Yeah, you're right. He's always in a kind of very straight laced, drab looking suit. Yeah, it's better call Swall mixed with um, uh, Agent Smith off the Matrix. Is there a chance that he could be doing? That, that he could be half t- half the time running the NRL and the other half burning people's grandmas as ashes in a crematorium somewhere. He does wear a lot of hats. I mean, he's obviously still racing Australia as well. <laughs> Not sure how he got to grandma's ashes. <laughs> well, because it's COVID-19, mate, and a lot of the elderly are dying. Uh, so objectively, it's a truth. But you, look, James Hooper will write about it if he's got a side business. <laughs> 
How about the shit James Hooper's been copying <laughs> well, online? It's really incredible. I love that he's, he's put Pain. up an article. Man, there's a referee with Brazilian uh, wax laser clinics as a side business. And you're, and like, you're like, yeah? What, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so fucking what? I had no it idea. Was, I was, was so confused by the headline of that article. That I, didn't, I didn't click it. It was, it was uh, like... I mean, I didn't actually really bother with it too much as well. I mean, I more just laughed at the the, the uh, Twitter feed responses yeah. to it. But it was just a classic case of, you know, him wanting to shit on the referees union and couldn't really find anything. So he, he took the most obscure angle possible. He thought, oh, Brazilians, that's embarrassing. Side business. <laughs> <laughs> I've struck gold here. Is the inference that James Hooper thinks that if a referee has a side business that he shouldn't be trying to campaign for his basic rights in another line of work? I think you're Because it's quite illogical. I, I, think, I think you're assuming a deeper level of thought than James Hooper <laughs> is capable of, to be I, honest. I actually think he's gone, I've got fucking deadline. <laughs> and he's just kind of essentially put his penis on a typewriter and hopes something came out. Oh, he wouldn't have reached the typewriter, mate. What are you no, talking about? I was about to say, a typewriter? That's a weird fucking late... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, that's a 1993... <laughs> It's a Peter Valandis reference. He wants nothing but typewriters at NRL HQ. Uh, but look, but back on Valandis, because we did drift a little bit there. But uh, I'm wondering if we could still do that and actually infuse some of those 90s references into the game. And I'm dead set serious about this. I think we should. And I'm going to start the ball rolling. Feel free to jump in anytime you like. But for me, I don't want to have a, a normal full-time siren anymore. I want that to be replaced by I'm too sexy by right said Fred. I want that to be the thing. And that's just my way of saying... Fucking thank you, PVL. Okay, so we're not we're not actually taking things that were in the game in '93. We're just taking anything Could from be anything, the early '90s. <laughs> See, <laughs> I was, literally I, anything. I was thinking of James Hardy's sponsorship across the uh, the jerseys of, of of Parramatta. I don't know if that was still around in '93. I know it was. I'm sure it was. Back then, um, we used to celebrate asbestos. Exactly. You know that, and you know that, and maybe maybe bring Winfield back as the 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 main sponsor. I mean, I think that these days Winfield is a more respected brand than Telstra anyway. I think so. You know, like smoking and asbestos, you know. It's just, got more cred. <laughs> it's just let's let's bring back the glory days. I actually want to see all 34 players smoking a few fags per game. How good would that be? Munster goes through a hole, he stops and he stubs out the cigarette and then steps the fullback and goes under the sticks. It's it's an interesting point, you know. Speaking of the nineties, like like we mentioned uh, in our last uh, episode with um, with Mario, um, big shout out, Mario. Yeah, we we all watched um, we all watched the last dance, and one thing that did strike me, you know, not even kidding, but like in every second scene, all of the bulls were were smoking cigars. Oh man, and I've heard cigar sales have actually gone through the roof. Yeah, it's like I know people are like, oh man, you want to smoke cigars? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like. People who are asthmatics telling me that, and I'm just like, this is not a good idea. <laughs> That'll be their last dance um, if they decide to do just, that. And I'm just, but it, it is interesting the the impact it's had. And I thought to myself, yeah, that was like, I mean, it, it was a very '90s thing, um, and I guess it was a kind of cool looking thing. But it just, as as elite athletes, it always struck me as an odd look. I think so. It just looks like you've got a Cuban man's penis in your mouth. That's the reason I've avoided it. And here's the other thing: I reckon it's fucking bad timing. To go have cigars. Yeah. Said, it's during the COVID, during the COVID for, crisis. For Australia, it's doubly bad time because most of us are still, uh, you know, recovering from the black lung due to the bushfire. Uh, you know, the bushfire months that we suffered last year. So, like having that COVID and then a bunch of cigars, 
No, you're not doing yourself any favours. Well, it'd be disrespectful to the nation <laughs> of <laughs> Australia <laughs> to suddenly take up a cigar habit <laughs> in homage of PPL. We're going to need a lot more ventilators, mate. But no, I think you're right. I think definitely Winfield should be a sponsor for the NRL just to say thank you very much, Peter Volandis. And here's another one. I think we should broadcast all games on a four or five hour delay through Napster because obviously that was a giant thing. <laughs> Was I, that, I can't really remember when in the 90s. I was going to say, I thought that was more the end. Like, in early 90s was like... I, it Mate, was, don't fucking fact check me. You know, <laughs> I've told you about this a million times. I don't like it. I, I mean, I remember, like, uh, the, the, the social media platform of the day back then was ICQ. Do you remember that? You know? <laughs> that was like breakthrough tech. It was. It was It was incredible. Like, and it was, it was you know, you would just randomly chat with people. Like, yeah. if you came up with a random person, it could you literally had no be fucking anyone. idea who it was. Oh, it's Sandra from Hawaii. How are you going? Yeah. And then they go, age, sex, location. That was the big thing. Yeah. Yeah, and but you know what? What was also big back then is that bots weren't much of a thing. They were generally you were no, actually pretty confident. people. Yeah, you yeah. Were, you could be pretty confident you were talking to a real person. Whereas now, if you were to do that, mm. which is effectively what Twitter is, it's a version of that. Yeah. Um, you know, you you you're speaking to Peter seven eight nine dash five six seven, who's been uh, established since April twenty twenty and has yeah. two followers and has a lot of Trump retweets. Yeah, otherwise known <laughs> as James Hooper's burner account. <laughs> Or Chip Jones. Um, <laughs> Big share that, Chippy. No, but you're right, mate. I don't know. This has been a real trek through uh, memory lane for us. But uh, yeah, in those early days, I actually felt ahead of the technology curve when I was an ICQ. Um, just we don't feel that way randoms. anymore. These days, you could yeah. you know, accidentally get a, sort of a lope and get married to a bot. It's a shame. Well, it's not always an accident. Some people do get married to their bots. And, you know, I guess most importantly, Xander, back in 1993, I think from this year on, we should start referring to Craig McLaughlin as a promising musician and not an alleged sexual predator. And coming up next, we've got a very exciting interview with the former Roosters legend and a few other clubs, don't remember them, don't care, and also former referee Luke Diamond Phillips to talk about the referee NRL saga. Well, the voluntary tackle is very lucky to be joined by a friend of the podcast, Luke Diamond Phillips. Welcome to the show, mate. How you going, boys? Mate, we're really well. Um, look, you seem to be the perfect person to ask some very pointed questions about uh, this whole referee saga, namely the move from two referees to one. But look, the first thing I wanted to ask was, with all this discord that was going on between the NRL and the refs, Luke... Wouldn't have this been the perfect moment for you to dust off the the whistle and come out of retirement and be a ref again? Yeah, I was talking to a mate earlier in the week and we sort of <clears throat> G'd up and I put a tweet out um, suggesting that, getting a few old refs, this was a bit of a G up and it, um, it actually got a bit of traction and a, and a few people actually rang us up about it. But um, yeah, it was all just tongue in cheek. But yeah, it would have been a good time if they had a strike to uh, get the whistle out and uh, have another go. But um, no, I don't think the calves would last more than five minutes these days. That's <laughs> Well, that was going to be my next question because I actually saw that tweet and I assumed you were just sort of geeing it up a little bit. But genuinely, I, I thought maybe Luke could actually genuinely consider that because I thought you were a really good ref when you were in there and it's a different hierarchy there these days. Did you ever actually deep down seriously consider it? Well, I guess I suppose, um, you know, if you know what I'll call, you'd have to consider it, you know, carefully, I suppose. Like, um, and I probably, you know, like if it was desperate, I would have, but like, I, you know, but it, you know, like I said, the tweet was just a bit of a G up. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it wasn't going to happen. But if, you know, if the refs didn't come to agreement, which I always knew they would anyway, they always do. Um, I guess if they were that desperate and they called me thinking they had to have someone, then of course you'd, um, you know, do what's best for the game and have a crack and see how you go. 
Diamond, I know uh, earlier this week it all sort of has been resolved. The referees sort of backed down from their strike action. Are you happy with the outcome of going from two refs to one? Where do you stand on that whole issue? Yeah, look, I think with the bunker in place now, it's, it, it won't be as bad as everyone sort of saying because, you know, they've got people in the bunker that can actually have close-up views of the ruck. If one team's slowing the ruck more than the other, they can tip the ref off. You know, they watch replays. They can pick up trends from certain players that are, you know, doing things in the ruck. So um, from that aspect, um, I think it's fine. And also, um, uh, you know, having just the one ref, there's no confusion between the players. And sometimes you see a ref call penalty, I don't want to call it milk. There's confusion and all that, so it'll just get rid of all that sort of stuff. So uh, it'll be cleaner from the players' point of view. Um, you know, the refs, that the head refs in the game basically do the same running as they will. They don't sort of um, the pocket ref actually has more running because he's got to run behind the ruck every time. You know, so uh, from a fitness point of view, they'll be fine as well. So um, yeah, I think it's best for the game um, going forward um, now that the bunkers there. So, Luke, am I hearing you right there? You'd actually like to see the bunker maybe take more of an active role than it is at the moment? Well, it, it, is, it does take an active role. As it is. People just don't hear about it. So, right. uh, but, you know, they won't come out and say they're doing it. But, you know, since I've been a video ref, you're always tipping off the refs anyway with certain trends or things that you see from, from, you know, from the angles that you get. So that won't change. Um, people don't know that, but that's something that, um, you know, uh, I think will benefit one ref now, you know, the, the bunker can still, it's like another set of eyes on the game, so, um, you know, the one ref sort of appeases all the people that say, oh, it's better with one ref, so that, they'll go with that, and, um, yeah, you'll, you'll see it'll, it, it'll be fine, like, it, it um, won't, won't be a big impact for the players uh, or on the game at all. I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, and I know you're not Peter Volandis, because um, you're a, a much better looking man for a start, but... I mean, do you think that it's a bit of a smokescreen? He mentioned that, uh, you know, going from two referees to one ref was sort of a cost-saving measure. But I sort of get the sense that he's also made that move because he thinks that it will actually create a better product. Why do you think he moved from two to one? Yeah, look, I think it's a, a cut-costing exercise. And also, um, you know, obviously the fans have been asking for it. So I guess it's a way for them to join the two together and say, right, oh, let's give the fans what they want. It's going to save us money this year because we need to. Uh, if it doesn't work, for some reason, you know, people are blowing up saying we need the two rest back. They can always bring it back in. Um, so it's a bit of a sort of a win-win from their situation, I believe. Like they get the best of both worlds. They get to have a look at how, how it looks and also the, the cost-cutting for the year. So that's, that's why I think they've done it, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Do you think the refs, in the way it's sort of come about, have been treated harshly by the NRL? Obviously, PVL is known to play some pretty hard ball. The refs obviously weren't happy with the decision. They effectively saw it as a halving of their workforce. Do you, do you think that that was something that the referees were sort of harshly dealt with? Well, I guess it's, from their point of view, it is, yeah, anyone who loses their job or staff gets cut in half, people aren't going to be happy. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to do what's best for the game. If, if the NRL think it's, you know, one ref is the way to go, um, everyone's got to respect that, you know, like, and, and the rest do too. Like, if everywhere else in the world, rugby league, it, it's one referee, so... Um, you know, it's just back to how it used to be. And, um, and like I said, they'll, they'll use this year as a trial to see how it goes, and I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, and then uh, moving forward, they'll probably stick with it. But like I said, if people blow up, um, they've got the, you know, the, obviously the option next year to bring it back in. So. Yeah, thanks, Luke. Um, just Xander here. Just quickly, on the two refs, um, in your experience and over the course of the experiment, has it really had any uh, impact at all um, on, on the flow of the game? Do you actually think it's been a, an effective way of policing the ruck? Yeah, look, everyone talks about 
speeding up the ruck. They want a quicker ruck. At the end of the day, the, the refs are the only ones that can do that. You can't um, add another referee or, um, you know, when the play hits the ground, the referees, well, they've, they've got like a two-step vocab. So they'll say tackle one and then there'll be a pause and then they'll say to move to get off the tackle player. So the, the good teams like the Melbourne Storm, the Cameron Smith's perfect example is they know where that line is. So if you look at any play of the ball, it's roughly, you know, from when he hits the ground to when his foot hits the ball, it's four seconds. So the good sides, the Melbournes and et cetera, that they know where that line is, right? So they take it to the nth degree every time and without getting penalised. And people say, oh, but other teams don't. So to, to speed up the ruck, the referee just has to go back to one-step vocab, not two, like just say move straight away. And that way, that's the only way that they can speed up the ruck. No one else can by having, you know, referees on the sideline or whatever. Um, you know, in my opinion, that's, that's the only way to speed up the ruck, you know. But you just got to be careful because, you know, they try to have a fast ruck in Super League and, you know, blokes are dive at the ground, playing the ball straight away. Teams can't get back on side, and they can get sort of you know, held a skelter. If that's what the NRL want, that's form of footy. Then you know, the only the referee is the one that can, the only one that can speed that up by, by doing that. Yeah. I guess when you when you create a condition like that, there's always players and coaches that are looking to take advantage of it, which makes sense. So the idea of, as you said, players diving at the feet to get a quick play of the ball, that's not what I don't think the rugby league public wants to see but I wanted to ask you as well obviously that the Peter Volandi's and the NRL's response to the claim that this is effectively halving the referees workforce has been that well it's actually not quite true because you're essentially going to be having three standard first grade refs on the field at once because he's going to move them into the touchies roles do you think moving these first grade refs into touch judge roles and having one official out there in the middle that it technically creates, I guess, a better calibre of officials because you've got all three of them out there? I 100% agree because referees know what input they want you know, because they're, they're out in the middle. So once they're on the, they're on the uh, touch judge, they know what calls to make, when to make them, ones not to make. So the touch judges, basically touch judges are referees who never made it, so they become touch judges. So they Big they shout out like, to all the touchies out there. <laughs> No, that's at the top. I'm not saying, like, you know, some people just want to be touch judges because they don't like the thing. You know, but generally yeah. in NRL, all the touch judges have at some stage been told, look, you're not going to make first grade. Here's a flag. So, um, yeah, so it's basically they're all referees anyway. You know what I mean? So they're not just um, – so basically putting the halving the, the squad and putting those guys on the line, I think will obviously benefit the game. Touchies will disagree. They're, they're like a bit of a breed of their own. Um, we'll say, you know, the positioning and this and that. But as long as they've got a touch judge uh, coach in there for the positioning stuff that the referees obviously haven't had much coaching on, um, I, think it's, yeah, I think it's a great move. And also, I guess I found as well that touch judges seem to have had a much lower input in the last 10 to 15 years. They, they used to come in and sort of look for a lot more things. It seems like they're a little bit superfluous these days anyway. Maybe if we have a better calibre of, uh, of touch judge, they may be more proactive and might see more. I don't know. Yeah, well, the bunkers sort of made the touchy obsolete. All they really do now is you know, flag up if a, you know, someone puts their foot on the line. Like you said, all the uh, incidents in the game are picked up from the from the bunker. Um, you know, even if a player goes into touch as he scores, touchy just says check it. You know what I mean? So it's it's um, the actual skill of the touch judges. You know, um, gone now that the bunkers there and uh, you know takes pretty much takes control of it. So. Um, yeah, like I said, I just don't see any problem with the, the referees. They probably won't like, the, you know, the, the top 10 referees will now just referee the game. Those bottom 10 that used to be the pocket, you know, they won't be happy that they're running lines. They'll have to go back and obviously referee New South Wales Cup, Queensland Cup, 
um, because they'll still need the referee because in case someone gets injured or form or something, they need to go up. So they'll still have to referee, but it'll have to be in, a, obviously, New South Wales comp uh, format. And then the knock-on effect from that is all those referees that refereeing first grade New South Wales Cup, they'll go back to whatever the next division down and so yeah. on. So that's why they're not all happy about it, you know, because it's obviously everyone's affected down the line. Totally. There's a knock-on effect. I mean, this isn't the only thing, though, that Peter Volandis has changed. And I wanted to get your take, Luke, on uh, this six-again rule, which is essentially the, the elimination of these ruck infringement penalties. Did you agree with that move? Yeah, it's hard because we actually refereed that in the first um, All-Stars game. And at, at the start, like, the players never even heard it. So once they get past that point, I think it'll be effective. Um, you'll see a lot of you know teams on the fifth thinking it's the fifth tackle, kicking the ball down, even though the referee has called six again, two tackles earlier. and um, So it'll have a lot of confusion between, obviously, commentators, fans, a lot. I guess the, the only good thing is that there's no fans at the ground, so they'll probably hear it a lot easier at the start, Which, but once the fans come back, it'll be interesting. But, um, look, I think it's good for the game um, because it'll stop, you know, as long as the referees know which one to, um, you know, when the, they know the players are deliberately trying to slow the play ball, not just nitpick ones and the fingernail on the ball here and there. Yeah. Um, you know, that's it's just gonna, you know, give a team too much possession which can change the game. So it's gonna be a fine line. Um, the only thing I don't like about it is it gives the referee an option to either penalise or six again. So end of a game if it's eighteen all and he decides to penalise and kick they take the two points to win the game and that coach says, you know, well I got six in the first half and we got, you know, six again calls and they they get two points for their one. So it's that's going to happen at some stage and that'll be the big controversial thing because, it, again, it, it puts the referee under the pressure because he's got two decisions to make from the one incident now. Yeah. So, I love um, it. You've got Diamond's crystal ball out there. I mean, I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah, it brings up an interesting question, actually, um, on that. Do you think it should just be maybe... I mean, you see this This has happened in Union before where they've, they, they've turned uh, kickable penalties into free kicks. So, you know, you can... You can kick for touch, and that's uh, and but you can't kick for points on on certain penalties. Do you think maybe for ruck infringements, they just relegate it to a six again quick call, and it's no longer a penalty, that, so you don't even have the option to kick for goal? Would that simplify it? Do you think? There is if you know if you're up by six or eight or two with a minute two minutes to go, and you're defending your line, you just keep giving away penalties, you know. So rather than giving quick play the rules because they can't kick for goal, um, you'd rather your team set. So the ref goes six again, but your, your whole defensive line set, the nice slow play the ball. So, you know, when there's one fake, one rule, the opposite knock-on mm. effect is always something pretty full on from that. So, um, you know, it's, you know, I guess that's why it's good they control mm. these things. But, um, yeah, there's, everyone's going to love it at the start, like everything, but there's a lot, of hair, a lot of hairs on it. And down the track, I think you'll find that, you know, it's like the 20-metre rule. Everyone loved that at the start. Um, you know, the bunker, everyone loved that at the start. Um, you know, so two referees have loved that at the start, but eventually it's, you know, uh, at some stage it comes back to cause drama. Mm. Luke, I don't know if that's true. The rugby league public, I mean, they're not that hard to please, surely. That's that's not what they do. <laughs> Mate, I, I actually, I agree with what, a lot of what you're saying, and, and I actually agree with some of these changes, to be completely honest. I think that my concern is more about the way that Peter Volandis is making the changes. There doesn't seem to be a lot of filters or checks and balances it seems as though we're having, a, I guess, a rule change every seven or eight minutes. And I guess that leads me to my next question to finish us off today. If, if Luke Diamond Phillips was the NRL chairman for a day, what rule would you like to see changed? Have you got any that have been burning in the back of your mind and you've always wanted to make a big change in the game? Yeah, look, I've always said that the, um, 
being a player too, like the one where the player gets tackled as he's going towards the sideline, the referee calls held, and then he ends up going over the sideline, and the team tackling gets penalised because they haven't heard the ref or whatever. I'd like that one where, you, and, and the same when you get tackled back in goal, the referee gets lifted, the referee calls held, he goes mm. in goal, penalty. You know? So we did the offload one where after the offload we change it to give the ball back and play it again. So that'd be one for sure. Like as a player and a referee, like sometimes you call that held too early and you know you've done it, but because he's gone in a touch, you have to penalise it. So it's actually the referee's fault. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one that I'd, I'd definitely change. Um, you know, if I was in charge, but there's but, a heap of other ones. But yeah, well, look, the, the last time you're on the show, Luke, um, I'm wondering if you've warmed to my idea. I did throw an idea at you, and I'm not sure if you remember it, but essentially, I'd like to see a power play brought into the game where, uh, for five minutes, there's 17 additional players on the field at once. Just because you could imagine how many different kind of decoy runners you could have, amazing overlaps. Have you warmed to that idea at all? Um, yeah, look, I, I've had a little bit of thought about it, and I think probably that's too many. You know, maybe five or six players might uh, might be a bit fair on the opposition to make it a little bit more um, you know, achievable to defend it. But yeah, seventeen is way too many. I think. Yeah, fair enough. And imagine the obstructions. Where do you start? We need six pocket referees for that. Just, just uh, one as well for, for from your transition. Uh, you mentioned a couple of times as a a player and then to a referee. Uh, did having come uh, from first grade uh, playing uh, top flight uh, NRL footy, you know, you played in a grand final uh, with the Roosters a couple, in fact, having been a former player uh, at, at the highest level, do you think that gave you a different perspective on referee to say some of the other referees? What was that transition like? Yeah, I found it pretty good. Um, you know, I remember that my first year, a lot of the players were saying, you know, what are you doing out here and things like that. So I was out on the field, but... Um, I get, that's what I found it hardest about refereeing is the fact that because I'd been a player, um, I couldn't referee the game the way I wanted it to because you had to referee to the way that the style that, that you were told to do. So um, it was very hard, you know, like um, to, you know, you see a player that's caught up in the rock, he's trying his hardest to get out, but you have to penalise him because of the mm. time factor rather than a, the one where a bloke's deliberately trying to slow the play the ball. You can penalise that, no problem. So... You know, and the players get frustrated and stuff, and I was blowing penalties, and I go, what that for? You know, when they knew that I knew that, you know, it shouldn't have been a penalty. And, um, so I guess that was, my, that was my biggest challenge, you know. I sort of had to take my player's head off and put the referee's head off on to actually referee the game, which... You're almost blowing know, up at yourself in, in those moments. With, <laughs> I struggled with, yeah. Luke, um, when you were a referee, did you ever have to bin anyone? Uh, yeah, yeah, I had to bin a few, a few players, yeah, with... with um, Stinks or repeated infringements and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you remember? So was, do you remember which player was the hardest to control when you were a ref? Um, I tell you, uh, Corbin Sims. Um, well, he <laughs> Sounds about 20. right. Yeah, he was in twenties, and um, God, he used to give me a hard time. I was a player that kicked a forty twenty uh, from the op- from the opposition. I remember, and the touch he was like chased it down. He's right on top of it, and then he's back down the twenty where he kicked it from, and he's giving me a spray saying. Mate, that wasn't a 40 There's no way that was a 40 20. I was like, mate, you and I are standing here. I said, oh, I couldn't even see it. I said, he's like a spot, you know, like blowing up and that. But yeah, he was, um, he was just into me the whole time. I don't know whether. Wow. And he was ex player, but um, yeah, he was one player that. Yeah, give it to me. It's not as though Corbin Sims has sort of kicked too many 40-20s in his time either. Um, Luke, before you go, mate, last question. Uh, we couldn't have you on the show and not ask you this. Uh, do you have a tip for the comp? This is the COVID 2020 competition. 
People are claiming there's an asterisk next to it, but I think that's absurd. I think this is going to be harder to win, if anything. Mate, predictions, you've already pulled out the crystal ball. Who's going to win the comp this year? I think this year, I've changed obviously because of COVID. I think Parramatta, purely because, um, you know, they play at home every week pretty much, you know, so uh, it's a pretty good advantage. They've got a good side. Um, you know, hopefully with the speeding up of the ruck, that'll uh, obviously help them as they're, they're a pretty, you know, free-flowing side. So yeah. that's my little sneaky for this year. I love it. I'll, I'll put 10 on them, but of course, we're Rofa Roosters fans on the pod, so... Uh... <laughs> You know, we we're kind of hoping, mate, as an ex ex tricolours, you would have definitely had your your biases out, and you would have been putting the chooks home. Oh, you know, my heart says the roosters, but you know, <laughs> um, big 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 heart uh, after the uh, Flanagan, the halfback after Cooper Conkrey tied. You know, mm, I think that yeah, um, you know, if you can stand up and have a stellar year, then they're a chance. But um, might be a tough this year for the old chooks. Well, Diamond, mate, we'll call it we'll call it quits there. But again, um, really appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts on the on the refereeing saga and uh, and I guess the competition more broadly. And mate, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime soon. Yeah, no worries, boys. Anytime, thanks. Welcome back to the voluntary tackle. Now, Xander, I, it was very uh, remiss of me. I didn't uh, go to social media, which is what the voluntary tackle is all about. When we were discussing Peter Valandis and how he's performed. Uh, more recently during this COVID crisis. By the way, I'm trying to get as many references to the, quote, COVID crisis as I can because I really like it and I'm trying to inject it more into conversation. Um, And we actually asked our Twitter audience, if you could compare the recent efforts of Peter Volandis to any character from 80s cinema, who would you choose and why? So I just want to go through a couple of the responses we have here. Uh, This is probably my favourite one, Xander. This comes from our good friend Giannis, who said... I forgot the name of the character, but Bruno Gans played him in the movie Downfall. <laughs> Similar haircut, yeah. um, to be fair. Though Just not, as not maniacal. Quite the same facial hair. Hashtag Godwin's Law, which is great that he's, <laughs> he's referenced uh, a couple of shows back there. For anyone playing at home, that is referring to a certain uh, German dictator uh, of somewhat dubious moral character. Uh, and we don't know, I mean, not for us to judge. I mean, not, not judge... Peter Volandi, so you can judge Hitler. That's fine. That was bad. <laughs> he shouldn't have done that to the Jews. If there's one thing this podcast agrees on, it's that Hitler was bad. <laughs> yeah. We're, we actually put that's an ironclad commitment to condemn Hitler. <laughs> we won't condemn anything else, but that's good for us. We've also got this from Sandy Hunter, Mikey, Michael Corleone from The Godfather. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't he? Because yeah, yeah. He does look like he could actually put a hit on you if you didn't like his NRL policies. He does, and he and and he does seem to have a, a similar uh, approach to working behind the scenes, mm. um, you know, before 100%. making big statements. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't then, know. Then giving you know other sports the kiss of death. I believe it was actually, um, it was actually Peter that uh, that gave Raylene Castle the kiss of death before <laughs> she <laughs> on the day of his sack. daughter's wedding. <laughs> on the day of his daughter's wedding, before the board decided to turn in for Raylene Castle. <laughs> And another thing, has anyone seen Todd Greenberg lately? Because I checked his LinkedIn and it said sleeping with the fishies. You know what's really funny? limited. In, in the, uh, I know you didn't get a chance to read it, but um, in uh, Andrew Webster's piece yesterday, he asked uh, Volandis about Greenberg and he basically says, next question. Like, uh, he's respectful, but Mate, I'll, like, I'll, let's I'll, bring that up. Let's I'll, do this live on the show right I'll, now. I'll, here you go. Yeah, the criticism of Tom Bre- uh, Todd uh, Greenberg was that he wasn't prepared uh, to make hard decisions, and he just says, "I don't want to talk about Todd." 
He's moved on and we've moved forward. That's <laughs> and and like that's it. And uh, so Andrew goes, um, you become noticeably uncomfortable at the very mention of his name. He goes, only because I want him to move forward. I don't want him to be blamed for things. If he's down and out, why kick him? Uh, let him get a job somewhere else. Which doesn't really make it any better. It's kind of nice that he says let him, but you know, like I don't want to kick him while he's down. But get another job. <laughs> that is, that's how you describe a crazy ex-lover. It's you know, I don't want to mention him. I want them to move forward yeah, without it was me. Just it was, it, it was. I loved it because it was so matter of fact, but so brutal. Yeah, and even the even the reference to I want him to get a job sort of infers that he doesn't think Todd Greenberg's good enough to get another job. Like he's going to be working at a Seven <laughs> Eleven. How good would it be? I, I if managing it, one. Maybe. If it <laughs> exactly, let's not undersell him. But I have to. I will say this: If it, I walked into a Seven Eleven and, and Todd Greenberg was there, I'd make him serve me unlimited Slurpees. Because how good would that experience be? You know, he, he kind of looks like a um, like he could be a manager of a Seven Eleven. Yeah, I think he's like, kind of got yeah. the look. Yeah, I mean, he get, kind of gets lost in his own bureaucracy. Looks like he, he works decisions. a lot of night shifts. He does. He's got quite big bags <laughs> under his does. eyes. But that's only because he's really nervous about being knifed during the night and having a horse's head in his bed left by Peter Volandis. <laughs> so it's not really his fault. Uh, look, we've got a couple of other responses here on Twitter as well. Um, this one comes from Darren from Newey. G'day, Darren. He says, I'm thinking of a crash or crash through character, maybe like John McClane or Martin Riggs in Lethal Weapon 2 when he wasn't quite as crazy. I actually think, Darren, I agree with you, but I think he actually qualifies as Martin Riggs from Lethal Weapon 1 when he was crazy because I think deep down Peter Volandis is a little bit unbalanced. Albeit, he gets the job done. Which one's Martin Riggs in? Mel Gibson. Ah, uh, Mel Gibson, right. Although, okay. it yeah. could just be so I was in comparison think- to actually Mel Gibson's rant. I was thinking, um, I actually reckon, uh, not, not not John McClane, but I reckon Alan Rickman's character in Die Hard 1. I think so. One because is better he, fit somehow. Totally. Peter Volandis needs to be the baddie. Oh, yeah. He yeah. can't be the goodie. And, and he has like a he has like a, a maniacal uh, like a plan filled with substitute, subterfuge to mm. to um, you know rob all these people. I, I can barely remember it now, but... Yeah. No, I mean... But he's a German, joined. you know-ish person. <laughs> I don't know. Godwin's Law. Again. <laughs> <laughs> the Germans are the bad guys. Uh, we had another one here. I mean, here's another thing. If he is Martin Riggs from Lethal Weapon 2, does that mean uh, Todd Greenberg was Danny Glover? Because they were sort of partners at the NRL for a little while, and we all knew that Todd Greenberg was going to be the one to retire first or to get the knife first. Did, did Todd Greenberg ever say he was too old for this shit? <laughs> I, I would have paid so much money to see him say it. He could have said it in one of those press conferences where he's getting beaten up verbally by Volandis. Uh, and this is the final one, and we've had a couple suggesting that Peter Volandis resembles Tommy Lee Jones' character out of The Fugitive. Now, for anyone playing at home, like it's a quiz show, uh, that character was essentially someone who relentlessly pursued Richard Kimball, who was an innocent man, and he did anything he could to catch him, regardless of anyone telling him he was innocent. So that is kind of like Peter Volandis, because people have told him, hey, Mm. this virus is dangerous. He goes, fuck off with your virus, May 28. I could actually see that. You know, he was... A little bit like Harrison Ford's moment in, in that where he says he's innocent and uh, he responds, I don't care, uh, that famous moment. And you could just see, you know, somebody saying that COVID-19 is going to uh, wipe out half the population if you start the game up again. And Volandi's going, I don't care. And, and, and right then he pushes Todd Greenberg into a giant dam. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
Uh, Xander, look, we're going to go into our next segment, which is uh, this all this chat about player swaps, which is quite interesting. Now, this is not a new topic for us. We've talked about this before, but following the successful loan swap of Paul Momorowski and Harry Grant, that's between the Storm and the Tigers, there's been more talk of the player loan this week because the Warriors, they've been racked with injuries and a severe lack of talent, let's be honest. And they've been waving the distress flag because they've a whole bunch of like guys are pulled out at the last minute. And they're hoping that other clubs will come to the party and actually loan them a player. Now, St. George Illawarra, Mary McGregor, he's already stepped forward because he's quite a philanthropic chap. Um, he has to be. He's been running a charity at the Dragons for years, let's be honest. They're not in it for the wins. Um, and they've put forward this guy called Eddie Blacker. Never heard of him. I assume he has a brother called Eddie Decker. Um, pause for laugh. There is none. What a shame. And they've been <laughs> they've actually received interest from guys like Paul Gallen and Sam Thiday as well about coming out of retirement and actually playing for the Warriors. So, Xander, my question to you is this. Is player swapping the best way forward for the Warriors, which is clearly a club in crisis? I mean, if <laughs> I was going to say if, if it, if it uh, results in Paul Gallen coming out of um, retirement, uh, then I think it's a bad idea. But then apparently he's been training to fight Mike Tyson, so maybe he's fit. Should Mike Tyson <laughs> play prop? <laughs> I can tell you what, that'd be a scary How good sight. would that be if the NRL did a whip round and they go, look, we get a million dollars from every club. I know you're all cash-strapped, but this is Mike Tyson. We could have Mike Tyson playing for the Warriors. Imagine the carrot incentive that would be for US audiences. It would be it would be interesting to see how many. Like I mean, purely from a, an entertainment standpoint, just just watching an entire team of footballers lose an ear in a in the space of a game would just be fascinating. Makes you wish Michael Ennis was still playing. I'd love to see his ear pulled off his head because <laughs> obviously he'd give Mike some lip. And uh, very quickly, he would have... Then, then Mike would re- re- retort with, I'm going to eat your children. I know. That's what I loved about Mike Tyson for me, uh, is that his unpredictability. Mm. And also, his inevitable mashing together of phrases he was attempting to say, but fucking them all up. <laughs> and I think he, he's a hero as Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali was a very eloquent man and amazing uh, with the mouth... And Mike Tyson didn't quite it have that. Sounded so wrong. <laughs> he, he was he a gave, real wordsmith. He wasn't amazing with the mouth. No, mate. He gave excellent fellatio <laughs> at will. Is what I was trying to say. No, but he, he he was aspiring to be his hero, but he could never quite get there. Was and just often, always so ambitious, wasn't it? <laughs> he really was. Like, I really want to. I, I rape your children and um and fuck your mother's skull. And it's like I don't think Muhammad Ali would have ever have said that. <laughs> no, but I would like to see it out brutal. there in the NRL field. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I think I think more players threatening to eat their opposition's children will just make for a better product. Should that earn a point? <laughs> Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Xander, Greg Inglis, you remember him? He's the guy who routinely used Steve Turner as a doormat during Origin, uh, so much so that uh, all the stud marks are still clearly visible on the spine of Steve. But he obviously, he retired a couple of years ago due to chronic injuries of the neck, the shoulder, uh, the knees, the, the groin, the frenulum of the penis, you name it, he had that injury. But this week, astonishingly, he's come out of retirement and he said, I want, I want to play for the Warrington Wolves in the Super League. How do you feel about that move? Yeah, so it's copped a lot of criticism, obviously, on, on social media. People uh, bringing up that he was medically retired and there were salary cap dispensations. Isn't there, is there a dispute over that? I heard that he wasn't technically no, it's, medically it's, retired. Yeah, I mean, the, the record has been sort of cleared up. I think that was a, a, um, a, a misunderstanding of what actually happened. Mm. Wayne um, Bennett deleted a file. 
<laughs> no, he wasn't medically retired. I did read. I did read a, a piece on it uh, a few days after the whole thing broken. I thought, yeah, I, I'd thought that too. I thought, oh, he was medically retired and they they had salary cap dispensation, but it didn't actually work out that way. He was he just retired. Like he wasn't actually medically retired. He retired and and decided on the basis of his ongoing injuries. Mm. But so the injuries were a factor, though, weren't yeah. they? But he, the, they still had to, you know, pay out his contract, and that wasn't uh, they didn't get any salary cap dispensation as a result of it. So I heard that, uh, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, that Greg actually walked away from yeah. a fair bit of money, right? Yeah. So this is what people are accusing Souths of, but in their defence, he wasn't paid out that whole amount of his contract, right? Ah, that's right, he wasn't, was he? Yeah. And I so I think he, he decided been. to cede yeah. a lot of that away because yeah. I think he just wasn't feeling the game yeah. anymore, and I think he had a chat with Wayne and said, "I can't bring my best. Mm. I want to walk away." And then there was all this sort of chat about. Salary cap dispensation, and then they obviously got a replacement for mm. him. They they were they granted. Roberts, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and now he's coming he's out like of retirement. A, he's like a you know, Roberts is kind of like a quarter of an English. That's uh, right, and he's I not, think he's on about as much money. So it's probably a fair swap. Yeah, that's that right. And and look, Roberts on his day, you mm. know, he's he's a very good player, but yeah. he doesn't bring it consistently. No, I mean, you know, it, look, what's the what's the old saying? A um a broken clock is. Uh, right twice, is right a twice a day. I think he's a bit like that. Okay, so he's a broken clock. <laughs> yes. You'll love that. Like Roberts is very hit and miss. Yeah, um, it's a quarter past fucked. Yeah, whereas whereas Inglis, you're always concerned about him. That's right. Even that, that, I guess that's my next question, right? Even if he's not 100%, and he's not going to be the Greg Inglis that we all knew from yesteryear, mm. but he's going to be playing in a weaker competition. I actually think that Greg Inglis can carve over there, even yeah. if he has a non-functional leg or arm. He's had what eighteen months out of the game to recover. Like a lot of these injuries that they have, they build up over the years. It's, you know, that they just never really give them a chance to heal. Mm. And you know, he's, he's still only what thirty-three, so he's not that old. Seems young to us, doesn't he? he? T- but you know, like Cam Smith's what you know, fifty-two, and he's still going strong. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> he's, like, he's the only player to be conti- playing it in good good form and also collecting superannuation all right. at the same time. Yeah. It's quite commendable. <laughs> it's incredible, um, but yeah, he's uh, like if you if you looked after your body well enough, you can you can play into advanced stage. I and mean, Brad Thorne's always my favourite mm. example. He played in one of the most brutal positions you can imagine, mm. which um, is the advantage of having an overactive pituitary gland. <laughs> that and that that and um, what appears to be a, a, a natural ability for the body to produce anabolic steroids. <laughs> exactly, um, he's the only guy to be roided up, but naturally. <laughs> yes. And he was he was playing first grade like you know footy and like up until he was thirty nine he's coaching the Reds apparently he still gets in there and scrummages with them yeah no oh, actually the rumor is Brad Thorne is a bit like Benjamin Button he's getting younger <laughs> he still trains harder than most it's, of his and team and all of these things I'm saying about him I would never say to his face no no he's a scary scary I man. would never not even from a distance because he's a lot faster than I am <laughs> and, and and if he caught you he could literally rip you limb from limb I actually believe that's the that is who they based the character out of Doom on <laughs> um, Doom guy is actually Brad Thorne anyway um, yeah, we, we, Greg, do, we digress <laughs> Craig Inglis um, yeah no I think that 18 months out of the game enough time to, for his body to properly heal itself mm. um, into the Super League I think he's going to yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be getting up to watch it, I'll put it that way. Mate, he's going to generate a lot of interest mm. over there, and that's the, that's the great thing. Rugby League, 
it, it, for me, I support rugby league in any quarter. I don't see the English Super League as an opposition, even though we no, we lose well, players to them. From time to see to time. the English Super League as an opposition. <laughs> I see it more of as a hobby uh, than anything else. Big like to our English listeners. Exactly. <laughs> what I'm saying, English listeners, is you're a bit more like stamp collecting. Yeah. Uh, we see them as a threat in the way that the NBA sees the NBL as a threat. Exactly. Um, um, yeah. More of a, a turd on the bottom of the boot. Uh, but no, like that's obviously overstepping the mark. But I actually watched a little bit of Super League. And but my my question to you is this, I and I agree with you. I think he will play well over there, and even if his body hasn't recovered, like you say, in this last eighteen month period that it could have, even if he runs out there and he's on his stomach because he can't walk, because well, the Goanna is a, an effective move, mate. I think he'd still carve. <laughs> yeah, is what I'm saying. If he went out there and did the Goanna, like from the kickoff. He would still carve he'd, up the he'd, English. He'd, he'd, still, he'd still fend off four or five players <laughs> he before would. he got tackled. <laughs> he would still be moving at roughly the speed of sound, <laughs> which is how good Greg was. I actually don't think Greg, he's so good, he doesn't need limbs and to be successful. To be honest, it'll be, it'll be the first time I've enjoyed watching him play since he played for Australia because it's hard to enjoy watching him play for Souths or Queensland. Mm. So watching him just play in the Super League, I'll actually be able to enjoy watching him again. And actually, yeah. on a side note, uh, Warrington Wolves are my favourite team because I've been following, uh, I don't know if you have been tracking this story, Xander, but Adam Hills, the great Australian comedian who's a massive rugby league fan, we're going to forgive him, he's also a Souths fan, but he plays for the Warrington Wolves over in England. And their disability league, um, they've a- they actually won the comp. He Is fought- that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's an amazing story. If anyone yeah. uh, hasn't seen it, it's called Take His Legs. Um, it is, if you love rugby league, you're really going to enjoy this because it is about the, the triumph of the human spirit against the odds. And, and they play for the Warrington Wolves. So that's just extra incentive for me to want GI's sort of a resurrection of his career to be successful. Yeah, it's a, they're, they're, they're a funny side, uh, the Wolves. They haven't won too much, but they've, they've had a few big signings over the years. They, they were the ones who signed Joey for like a short stint back in the early That's 90s, right. remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had a few games in the final. Didn't they, he play the grand final? No, they, they made it to like the semi. I don't think they actually won the, the, the comp that year. Like yeah, he had right. a couple big games, and he, he, but he, he couldn't turn them around and, and win it for them. They would have loved it over there. But okay, again, let's, talk, let's play the empathy card here, and let's pretend we're the English Super League. Is there an inference if a chronically injured Greg Inglis turns up for their competition and says, yeah, I want to play for you? Because that's how much lower your standard is than the National Rugby League. Should the English Super League be upset that Greg Inglis is coming out of retirement and playing for them? No, Because I don't. He hasn't, he's only got one, um, as we said, one leg and a partially kneecapped patella. I don't know. I, I, like you said, I think, uh, I think even, even at uh, his most injured state he was very effective in the NRL um you know like he was he was apparently struggling in that origin series I know they lost it but he was still mm. a physical presence he's still amazing on one league yeah you know, you're right um, it just strikes me as I don't know there's a there's a chance they might be insulted by the fact that he's come out it could be a bit like Christopher Reeve saying to Hollywood come on guys let me let me give a wheelchair one more spin as Superman you know, I think that they would actually take that. was take Superman that. 3, wasn't it? I think it was just as bad. Uh, Superman 3, that's when uh, he had to take on the might of Richard Pryor, who was <laughs> that's right. throwing some one-liners at him. It actually would have been interesting to see uh, Christopher Reeve in the wheelchair playing Superman. I think it was... Yeah, and he wasn't actually disabled. I think it was the writers who were mentally disabled in that one. Um, <laughs> that's right. That was where he solved the nuclear uh, arms race, I think, or something that's like that. That's right. Yeah. yeah, he solved the Cold War, Yeah, which yeah. is a great move from like, Superman. And then Rocky did it as well, like in, that's in Rocky right. Four afterwards. Yeah, that's right. Apparently, you need to be an American hero to solve the Cold War. 
Um, oh, the 80s, they were great. <laughs> fantastic times. Peter Valadies will get us there soon. Uh, but, you know, if he was Superman in the wheelchair, it strikes me the telephone scenes would have been really challenging. You know, when he goes into the <laughs> telephone booth, he would have needed a ramp. It wouldn't have worked. Um, on that note, let's go to a poll, Xander, because <laughs> we asked about GI. So bear with me. We asked our listeners, will Greg Inglis be a success for the Warrington Wolves in the English Super League? 60.8% said yes, while only 39.2% said no. Uh, we got quite a few votes for this. Uh, a few comments underneath. Um, big shout out to Beck Presswidge, who said, I think he's actually going to kill it. Um, David at Stacker of Days said, Widdop and Austin feeding him. He'll be a monster over there. And also Matt at MR Graham said, better question, should the Super League be called Superannuation League? Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Now, Xander, earlier this week, video emerged of Cody Walker showing better attack than he ever has on the field. Uh, Unfortunately, um, it took the form of a bit of a street brawl. Uh, Actually, it was a bit of a dog shot, if I have to be honest, in what looked to be some kind of unsanctioned version of the UFC. Cody eventually told the NRL about the incident after being allegedly uh, blackmailed by an unknown person. The punishment has been two weeks from what we understand this week, and the South Sydney club's also been fined $20,000. Xander, is that penalty a fair cop? Yeah, turns out not everybody likes kung fu fighting, mate. It's um... Everybody was kung fu fighting. Yeah, Would it have been a better video if kung fu fighting... Uh, there's got to be a mash-up there somewhere. Surely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you got off lightly. I always go back, and I, I know, you know, I know we've, we've sort of banged on about this, but, you know, if you can get fined $125,000 and eight matches, um, and suspended for eight matches for a two-second simulated hump with a dog with your pants on in a house. I like the way you had to stipulate with pants on. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, I mean... Because fake humping a dog with your pants off, that's unacceptable. It's, it's, it's a little bit less savoury, we'll put it that way. Even but without it, the erection? Yeah, yeah. I think especially okay. without the, no, the fair erection. Enough. I'm sure that's all um, in the fine print of the contract. But, but you know what I mean? Like, when you look at what happened there, I know they've, they've, they've been walking these... Um, these punishments back ever since they realise they overstepped the mark, but it still just blows my mind that you could have image uh, like a footage of, of what Walker did, where he just comes out of nowhere and he looks like he could have shattered the guy's rib cage. I mean, oh yeah, flight. and his head could have hit the ground. Yeah, all, all like sorts it was of incredibly stuff. dangerous. And uh, you know, it talks about he was in defending a mate, blah blah blah, but it was just a very dangerous uh, act, and it was and he, it was basically a king hit. Like he, it came out of nowhere. Yeah, and the video yeah. certainly doesn't. Uh, illustrate defending a mate motive, does it? It's no. Sort of, it looks as though there's two consenting yeah. people fighting and he comes in with an absolute dog shot. Yeah, exactly. It's. I mean, I, I reckon he should have been banned for more, to be frank. I think he's lucky to yeah. be getting only two games. There, the rumours are that he might even contest it. But look, you mentioned Mitchell Pearce and he has seemed to have become the yardstick mm. for punishment. And as you said, because I think in hindsight it was overly harsh. What was it, eight weeks? It was eight weeks and $125,000. Yeah, it's a so lot Walker's of So Walker's copped two weeks and twenty grand. Mm. So has Bennett's also copped twenty grand. Yeah. Um, for, for a much worse act, let's be honest. And we forget about this Mitchell Pearce, but he was also made to watch Gogglebox nonstop for seven days. <laughs> <laughs> which I think was the most um, insulting thing to have had in, happened during that whole chapter. But you mentioned Wayne Bennett, and I wanted to get into this because not a lot's been made of it mm. that I've seen. But uh, from what I understand, Cody Walker approached Wayne Bennett, told him about the incident, and Wayne Bennett's kept stum 
about it. Kept it in his house. Kept it old school. Yeah. Because, you know, he's old. So that makes sense. He's kept it for him, contemporary school, because he's 90. Um, but look, the, the NRL doesn't run like that anymore. No. I think the protocol is to actually report that to the NRL Integrity Commission. He obviously didn't do that. Should they have sent more of a signal to coaches trying to cover up indiscretions of players? Because $20,000 to Wayne Bennett, to be honest... It's not going to hit the deck, is it? No, no. I don't think so. I, I agree. and I, I mean, part of me thinks it's also the Brisbane way of doing things. I mean, Brisbane have been... <laughs> so famed. true. Well, I mean, you know, they, they have. Like, I mean, the Courier Mail are famous for hushing events up that um, involve the Brisbane Broncos, right? Like, mm. I mean, I've warned allegedly... You about, I've warned you about <laughs> Courier Mail bashing, though, on this show. But, uh, yeah, you know, Crash Craddock, apparently, uh, heavily involved <laughs> in cover-ups... No, Allegedly, you know, they, they, it's, it's kind of, there's a Brisbane mafia effect mm. up there where a lot of stuff, you know, there's whispers about things that have happened that have never been reported on because they don't want to. Well, should be reported on this show. Well, exactly. I'll, I mean, I'll if, consult if, we, if, we have, if we ever find out about them. Yeah, we look, I'm just going to consult with my legal team. Hold on. Yeah, okay. They said, fuck no. We haven't got that kind of defamation uh, liquidity in the business. Or information about events that actually No, we actually Brisbane. don't know what they are. <laughs> so that's a bigger problem. We've heard a lot of rumours and innuendo, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, it, it does strike me as... Uh, like, it, it's, it's, a, it's a... What's the, what's the phrase? It's, it's a poorly kept secret. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's right. An open secret. Yeah, they often refer an open to it secret. as... Well, look, look, aside from the illegality of the incident, I will give Cody Walker props because as a kick in the chest... Uh, he made great connection with the heel to the nipples. I'd give it a 9.7 if I was if I was a part of the judging crew. Say it was like synchronised diving. I'd go, Cody Walker, well done. Obviously, you're not synchronising with anyone. You're on your own, but there's a dog shot. But I'd, I'd still give you 9.7 because that fucker went flying. It was. It was... <laughs> There was a lot of force behind that. He's, he's clearly not been skipping leg, leg day in uh, the, the uh, COVID environment. Exactly. Mind you, it was in December. So he was still okay, a full fitness. That's right. If, if anything, it's testament to his training yeah. regime, isn't it? How far the, the guy's off season. Flown. You know, he was, he was still keeping up those squats all through the off season. And the person who often gets forgotten in these kind of scenarios... It's is the, the victim. Mi- well, no, Sorry. no, oh. fuck the victim. No, I'm talking about the cameraman. Because oh. for me, it had just the right amount of wobble that made it seem a bit like a Rodney King video. <laughs> Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Xander, to finish off the show today, I thought it'd be pertinent to talk about how we think clubs are going to be handling this COVID break going into round three. It's it's happening this Thursday. I'm pretty pumped about it. Rugby League is almost back on the screens, which will prevent me from watching um, Antiques Roadshow constantly, and I'm really happy about that. But I thought it'd be good to have a bit of a chat about which teams we think will fare well and which teams we suspect might not come out of the block so well. So factors we need to think about are the draws, um, the coaching and the culture of each club, and and I guess how they're going to handle this sort of unprecedented hurdle, which has been this weird isolation break. Do you have any thoughts on which teams you think are going to come out, out of the blocks mm. the quickest? To be honest, uh, I, I think... Uh, Melbourne and Canberra, who I'm tipping to come out the, the strongest in a lot of ways. Um, what are you attributing that to? The simple reason, I think um, Canberra suppressed the, the infection rates the quickest. They have no cases there now, <laughs> right? So they have less restrictions. Okay, I was wondering, um, I thought you were putting that down to Ricky Stewart. <laughs> I was going to say that was the second factor. Ricky Stewart's <laughs> a, 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 a known um, a training fanatic. Mm. Um, so I think he'll, he'll have had them... Uh, amped up in, in the off-season, well, I mean, in the in the lockdown period and doing whatever they can. And there's just, frankly, a lot more open spaces down there for them to, to find somewhere where they can isolate and do work. So what you're saying is the ACT got on top of it for qu- the quickest, 
So that meant the Canberra Raiders could be out there frolicking in the fields faster. Yeah. Okay, basically. I like that. Simple yeah. logic. Yeah, fair enough. Um, someone on Twitter is going to uh, correct me and say that the lockdown didn't end, but anyway. Um, the, <laughs> Fuck uh, Twitter, what would they know? The next one, I reckon, uh, I, yeah, Melbourne Storm, I think they're going to burst out of the box again as well. It's going to be interesting because they're playing each other first up. Um, that's right, and that's going to be a cracker of the game. That's going to be the game of the round, let's mm. be honest, along with the Roosters versus Souths. And Melbourne Storm are known for bursting out of the blocks generally. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if they can burst out of a COVID block. Yeah, well, so that, that is what's going to be really... Because Melbourne... You know, uh, after Sydney, have obviously had the worst um, uh, cases, but they've had more severe lockdowns yeah. than we than we've had. So, yeah, Daniel uh, Andrews has actually <coughs> been whipping people down there with a cat right. of nine tails. Um, you know, and and apparently it's it's really kept people indoors. It's really effective, although when Craig whip- McLaughlin's been really cowed. Um, Which has been fantastic. It's kept the abuse to a minimum, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Um, but well, I heard he used the cat of nine tails in his abuse. I, I am going to be interested to see how how they have adjusted because you're right they burst out of the blocks in general and similar Stuart um, Bellamy's known to just like work the crap out of his teams mm. you know really really train them hard so I'm, I'm wondering how's, how's Bellamy been doing that remotely that's the question like I, I'm, I'm sure he'd have figured out a way somehow mm. um, so I'm, I'm just wondering what he's done to keep them fit what do you've got like Deliveroo guys and guys from Uber Eats to go look can you deliver some health food uh, to our players and at the same time make them drop and give you 20 I, I, you know, to be honest, he's I, innovative like that. I reckon Bellamy's more the kind of guy to have orchestrated, like you know, break and enters where masked gunmen chase them around their apartment to just get their adrenaline up, like just, that's, get, that's just more, to get their cardio over. Like, that's the kind of creativity I expect from Greg Bellamy. And you know, he'd do it personally. Exactly. So wouldn't he? It wouldn't. He wouldn't hire a, a thug. He'd need to be the person donning yeah. the balaclava and threatening your wife with a shoddy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, it's funny. We we talked about that that um, uh, last dance doco before, and you know, the joke going around at the moment is that like every episode uh, ends with uh, Jordan saying, you know, then I made it personal. Um, <laughs> like everything was personal. I know. Uh, Bellamy has turns a, out he's quite oversensitive. Yeah, like you know, even shit that didn't happen, he makes mm. it personal. Yeah. Um, and and like Bellamy strikes me as somebody who's a bit similar um, mm. in that just intense vindictiveness and. Um, you know, desire to use anything possible to get a winning edge. I agree with you. And look, I, th- I genuinely think you've segued onto a beautiful point here, which is, I and, and I hold the same belief, that the clubs who have the best culture and coaches will be the ones who, in this COVID environment, separate a gap on the rest of the, mm. the, rest of the competition. And that is going to be your Craig Bellamy's. It's going to be your Ricky Stewart's. And I actually think Robbo's in there and so is Des Hasler. Mm. For me, those four teams come immediately to mind with a possible fifth being Anthony Seabold's Brisbane, based on what I've seen this year, not last year. So I think that that culture of of each club is actually going to count for a hell of a lot more this year because you've had two and a half months of players essentially having to follow doctrines. They may not have the same level of accountability that you would in a sort of a normal collective coaching environment. How have these coaches adapted to that situation? The better coaches are going to adapt faster. They're going to have better methods of accountability. And I actually think that that for that reason, those clubs might actually put a little bit of daylight on the other ones. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, it'll be a fascinating season for that reason, right? Mm. I mean, it's created, it's almost created a handicap in that sense. Yeah, I think it has. Because it it will will have required coaches to have 
really used every every tool in their you know like at their behest in to, Bellamy's sort of DUI arsenal. Yeah, and, and so it, in that sense, it'll really separate out those who haven't don't have. Uh, I guess that 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 uh, level of creativity and uh, and that level of commitment. That's right. You no, know? I completely agree with you. And uh, look, we, we were talking about it before, but you know, if there's any other clubs that have not done that, so we look at the clubs that have potentially not made great connection with their players while they're in lockdown. They've only been back training at what two or three weeks. That's a very very um, short preseason. They're going to feel the toll in that first, say three, four, five rounds. I think we're going to see some clubs that are really underdone. I very, I do really fear for the Warriors. I know we say that mm. virtually every year. Um, but apart from the fact that they've got a bit of a player personnel crisis, I don't think the culture of that club is where mm. it should be, and it hasn't been for quite a few years. Yeah, I, I agree. But I have this... Um, I, and this this could be... Com- this, this is probably going to get proved to be completely wrong this weekend. But I just have this... I have this curiosity about all the feel-good... Um, uh, vibes coming out about the Warriors and mm. the, the sacrifices they've had to make and, you know, all that kind of stuff. If there's going to be a kind of bonding, you know, all for one, one for all effect that, that yeah. actually creates something this year for them. So you're hoping it's going to be a Mighty Ducks film. Yeah. <laughs> Against the odds. Effectively. I with mean, Paul Gallen at halfback, <laughs> the Warriors take out the 2020 it's, premiership. I don't, they're not, they're not going to win the title. Don't get me wrong. But well, they, they, I'd be really interested to see if they, they exceed expectations. Okay. Well, I hope they have a little short, fat, obese child with red hair at hooker. <laughs> a la Fatty Vorton. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise known as. Well, time will tell, mate, but we'll find out during the season. Um, the last thing I wanted to touch on with this is the Newcastle Knights. I think it's very interesting to see where that club's at because obviously mm. that's a new regime that's come in that uh, with Adam O'Brien that didn't have a great culture last year under Brownie because everything fell apart. I think this is really going to test where we see Adam O'Brien at as a coach as well because from all accounts, we're seeing some pretty positive things, although the Newcastle Knights haven't played anyone of note yet. Um, but, I mean, they've still won their matches. How will that culture change adapt in the, in the COVID environment? Will they come out firing? It's a really hard one to know. Well, we're going to find out soon. They've got the Panthers... Raiders and Storm, and then the Broncos is mm. their next. So they're going to be none from four. <laughs> that's 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 a tough. Uh, they month might ahead the, of them. They might beat the. They might beat the Panthers. Yeah, you know the Panthers just also though they've they've started well. They have, but they're not yeah. going to have Nathan Cleary for nah, a while. That's true. Yeah, that's although true. he is beaming all the games on TikTok as we've mentioned <laughs> earlier. Uh, but look, now it's time for multi madness. <laughs> Mates, uh, we're back here again. We had to suspend Multi Madness because there was nothing to bet on, which is a real shame, especially for those problem gamblers who have lost the house. They can't lose other houses during lockdown. It's a tragedy. Uh, Gamble responsibly, obviously. But we're back on the show uh, doing our cumulative tally. Unfortunately, both of us were none from two from the first two rounds. We haven't won a red penny just yet, but all that's going to change because this week, listeners, we've got our bets and a multi-bet at that of who we think is going to win and score you some sweet, sweet cash. Uh, and we're going to start with you, Xander. Uh, I believe you've gone with a three-leg multi. Is that right? That's right. Um, I've, I've tried to um, uh, put in a smoky uh, based on my 
optimistic view of the Warriors. <laughs> Let's say um, he's gone. The Warriors. I have. Should I hit the red button? Let's dump this. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, gambled responsibly. It's yeah, all I can that's say. Gambling, mate, that is gambling very irresponsibly <laughs> by definition. If, gamble responsibly if you're using me as a yardstick. Um, anyway. Gam- gamble with non-currency. Put some <laughs> matchsticks on it. Yeah, exactly. That's all I'm putting on it. Um, but I. So I've I've picked three. I've I've picked the uh, the the Broncos to beat um, the Eels. The Roosters to beat Souths. And yeah, the Warriors to overcome the might of the St. Merged, I mean, the St. George Dragons. Okay, well, at least the Warriors are playing a team who's equally in as much strife mm. as them. But um, they're long odds. They're two dollars thirty-five. That's that actually that's not bad odds yeah. when they're playing the the Dragons, actually. But I mean, I still wouldn't like to be riding on them personally. But what's the grand total for the multi? So it's six dollars thirty. That's not bad. So uh, we're doing it for $5 stakes. So if you get off the mark, you'll be at $31.50 or something like that. I've probably got terrible arithmetic. It's probably wrong. But um, that actually sounds pretty solid. Your big gamble there is obviously your Warriors League. You're hoping that the six or seven guys left standing manage to recruit a few randoms into the team and beat the Dragons. That's right. Paul Gallon's going to make the difference, mate. That really shows me how little you think of the Dragons this year. Um, <laughs> really? Is it that obvious? <laughs> well, uh, let's just, this year and, and the last 10. Um. There's a lot of hate out there for Mary McGregor, except for Giannis Mateus on Twitter, who fucking loves him. He's the only person who loves Paul McGregor. Where do you think they're going to go this year? Oh, I mean, we've covered it previously somewhere, but it, not high. Not well, mate. Not well. In the same way as you go, oh, my uh, 79-year-old grandmother's got COVID-19. How's she going to go? Not well, I think mate. she's gone already. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's defaulted the season, mate. It's not good. And on that bleak note, let's go to mine. Uh, because I've got a, I think I've got a four-legger here. I should know. Bringing it up in front of me. Now, uh, my multi's not paying quite as much as yours, mate. I've tipped the Brisbane Broncos uh, to knock over the Parramatta Eels. I'm tipping the Cowboys to knock over the Titans. <laughs> I'm really pushing the boat out there. <laughs> tipping the Roosters to beat Souths. And I'm also tipping Manly to beat the Bulldogs. Now, for me, three of those four are pretty safe bets. The big one, the big test is obviously going to be the Brisbane Broncos to beat the Eels. I think that's about $1.90 each. No one really knows. It's going to be really... To me, that could be the game of the round, to be completely honest. Mm. I really loved what I saw from the Broncos in those first two rounds, and I don't think Anthony Seabold's going to be the type of coach to let that standard slip in the meantime. The only big X factor, or the fly in the ointment, is the fact that there's going to be no David Fafita because he's had some surgery, and he started off the year an absolute sublime form. Yeah, how long is Fafita out for, actually? I think he's at least another month or okay. so from what I was last reading. So that'll be a blow for them. But they have such a good forward mm. pack that although he he's arguably pack and leader... Is Hayne, uh, Payne Huss... Jared Hayne's definitely not playing. <laughs> yeah, um, he may be groping someone in the audience at home. Or biting on a clitoris. <laughs> Allegedly. No, was it Haas who was, who, was, who was suspended or was it... Um... Oh, actually, you're right. He's suspended. Yeah, was it uh, was it him or somebody else? I don't know. No, I think it was. Yeah. Oh, was it Pangai Junior? Actually, no, it was Pangai Junior. Yeah, Pangai got... Junior for that uh, yeah. heavy shot with the guy on the ground. Yeah, that was bad. It feels like it was years ago. I know, but that, so he'll, he, they should actually be down a bit of firepower then, because I think. Well, don't fuck over my bet, mate. Yeah, you know, you it, meant to pump my tires up, not well, let them down. I've also backed the Broncos. Okay, so uh, we're both fucked now. Well, I'm still feeling it. I'm still feeling as though the Broncos will have enough firepower to beat the Eels. The Eels. Obviously, if they started off from two from two, but they haven't really played any major opposition yet. And the Broncos are going to be smarting from that 58-nil drubbing they copped. <laughs> Wasn't that the something? Finals. It was amazing to watch. Oh. 
Uh, but for the benefit of my multi, I hope that doesn't happen again. Um, so yeah, for me, the grand total for the listeners at home, that pays $4.44. So you're pushing the boat out a little bit more than me, mate, but it'd be nice to get to open up the account, get our listeners to earn some dosh, which is what this is all about. Absolutely. Thank you very much, mate. This has been great to have you back in the back in the chair again and actually see you in the flesh. For a while there, I wasn't sure if you were some amalgam of, you know, AI bots meets wispy Gandalf beard. But you're here. <laughs> That's you're just real. my Twitter personality. <laughs> um, but no, thank you very much for joining me on the show, mate. It's, it's been great. Um, do you have any final words for the listeners before we sign off? You know, in the theme of Back to the Future, I think... It would be would would be timely, given that Jaws twenty was apparently predicted in Back to the Future, to have uh, the Sharks Paul Gallen make a comeback this year. That's, Who obviously that's, that's who's, as left field as I can make it. Who's clearly the Biff Tannen of that particular <laughs> He's franchise. The Biff Tannen. <laughs> Before we go, um, I want to give a couple of plugs to a few other podcasts. Get on board, Sports Best Friends, Chasing Kangaroos, and also a new one um, from a friend of the pod. Uh, the Angriest Tiger, they've got another new podcast called Above the Horizontal. If you're a Tigers fan, it's a must listen to because they go over some old classic Tigers games uh, in very granular detail, but very entertaining at the same time. So get your laughing gear around that. Don't eat the podcast, just listen to it. That'll be the weirdest thing. Um, And until next time, have a great week. Try not to die of a virus. See you later. (laughs) 